1: Indeed, Welcome to the show. It's the Frat Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw. I'm your your resident guitar geek here with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. With me this evening is my
2: lovely co-host, Nat. (laughs) Greetings! I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can. Drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. What have you been working on lately, Eric? Uh,
1: what have I been working on? I've been working on uh, repairs and building guitars. But <clears throat> I'll be that on. Yeah, how about that? One of the things, though, I've been working on. I really have. I know I've talked about this on the show before, and I'm sure you guys just shake your head when I say I'm going to do this, but I really am working on my schematic book. Oh, Yeah. I've been working on it for years and I really am going to finish it, uh, you know, within the next few months. I mean, maybe by the first of the year. I don't know, sometime soon. But I've got about 10 pages written of like, you know, preface stuff and prologue, huh? You know, laying down the foundations and the basics. And then there's going to be, I don't know, 20 or 30 schematics. Whoa.
2: How are you going to get 20 or 30 schematics out of guitars? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Not hard. I have a binder that's probably this thick that's pro- i mean it's probably
1: 200 pages of just schematics really? i've collected over the years probably but um the schematics that are going to be in this book are mostly going to be about solid body guitars right so Electrics. different okay different yeah. ways to wire a strat and a tele and a jazzmaster and you know
2: and good good diagrams good drawings right
1: yeah yeah, schematics i've come up with over the years and some that you've probably seen before that other people have come up with and there's also going to be the base the foundations like it'll start with the section on telecaster schematics we'll start with the basic telecaster schematic right right pretty useful um and then it'll go from there into like different ways to wire the three-way switch and then you can put a four-way switch in there and different ways mm-hmm. to wire that, and you can put a five-way switch in there and different ways to wire that. So it'll be fun. I'm excited. I'm working with a fella that I know to help me design it, and uh, we're really going to do it. So I've been working on that. That's kind of fun.
2: Well, yeah, that's That's a good little project, keep you moving along. Yeah. And, uh, provide a service of, you know, some lasting worth. There. Oh, yeah.
1: One of the guys, I, I contacted a guy today who goes by the name of Def Eddie. Oh, yeah? he' contact Have him? you heard of Def Eddie? I have well, not he's, heard of Def Eddie. He's a famous guy that is, that is a you know guitar electronics tinkerer, and he has all kinds of schematics online that you'll find, and it'll say, this is Def Eddie's oh. five-way Telecaster tone He'll, mod. You'll using see a, his mark. Yeah, using are. a super switch, right? So he's come up with all kinds of different schematics, and he's been on all these guitar forums for years. And I always thought, wow, I wonder who, you know, he's kind of one of these guys that's out there, but you don't know how to get a hold of oh, yeah. him.
2: A man of mystery And there. you don't
1: know his name. Yeah. Right? Because his I, mom probably didn't g- name him deaf. No. So, and is he actually deaf? Right. It's hard to know. Doubt it. Yeah. Not a feat. It's the internet. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I found him. I I I Googled him up on the, on the W On oh, th- the deal. Huh? Computer. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, found him and emailed him, and uh, turns out his name isn't Deaf Eddie at all. Oh, it's, no, it's Emmett Brown. What am I supposed to believe in now? Yeah, but I was I was stunned to see that his name is Emmett Brown because he, do you know, you know who Emmett Brown is? I
2: I've, I'm gonna Does say it ring I don't know. Okay, so so back to obviously the I'm supposed to know. Oh. Back to the future,
1: Doc Brown. Oh, is that's Doctor Emmett Brown, the wild, the wild-haired, yeah, you know, the quintessential mad scientist physicist, mad scientist Christopher Lloyd, right? Yeah, one of my favorite actors. He's great. Oh yeah, he He's was in, in Taxi. hmm.
2: Taxi was a great show. I used to watch that. Good look in Taxi. I'd like to emulate that <laughs> yeah. look right there. Well, you do. I'm pretty close. You're today, dressed huh? just like Reverend Jim today. Gosh, I really am. I got it made.
1: Probably have nicer shoes than Reverend Jim had, but they didn't have Amazon back then. Anyhow, what were we talking about? My schematic book. So I I got a hold of Def Eddie, and I was stunned to find out that not only can you get a hold of him, but the guy's name is Emmett Brown, like a a legit mad scientist sitting there in his laboratory designing schematics that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, he
2: could have stuck with Emmett Brown.
1: I love it. I know. Well, and the thing about it, too, is that he was Emmett Brown way before Back to the Future came along, because... I read a little bit about him. He's got a bio online. He was born in 1950. Yeah. He's yeah, deaf Eddie. Enough. So, yeah, Deaf Eddie's is going to be a little bit of a part of the schematic book.
2: So oh, that's good. good. Yeah, that's exciting. Reaching out to some yeah. get some expert authorities.
1: Absolutely. Good. One of the things I want to talk about is uh, the upcoming, the next episode will be our Halloween episode. hmm And traditionally, we do horror stories. deals, yeah. So... If you have a guitar repair horror story or a gig horror story, I want oh, to hear no. Yeah, I want to hear about your gigs because we started doing gigs along with guitar repair because they're so fun and they can be
2: terrifying. Yeah,
1: and a terror. Not everybody sends in a horror story, but yeah. if you send in a horror story this year, include your address because I'm going to send uh you one of several things. Mm. So the best story is going to get a bag of Apex coffee. Oh, man. Uh, the runner-up will get a Fret Files T-shirt, or maybe a, oh, maybe, boy. maybe a couple Fret Files T-shirts there. Maybe the winner will get a Fret Files T-shirt and a bag of Apex coffee.
2: I can hear the pencil scratching, yeah.
1: and they're taking this seriously now. <clears throat> I really will. So if you submit a horror story... Include your address, because I'm going to send everybody... Everybody who submits a horror story will get something in the mail. Ooh. Most of you will get a sticker. (laughs) Let's just say that right away. But the best two or three horror stories will get either a shirt or a bag of Apex coffee or both. Wow. Okay. If you submit a horror story this year, and I'm doing this because... Nobody submitted horror stories for a long time. I have to scour the internet to get uh, horror stories. Didn't we, and I,
2: didn't we run into one out at your shop the other day? Like there was just gobs of epoxy or some terrible classic. All the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it just on? No, my guitar was
1: okay. I don't know what it was. I took a neck off a while ago, not that long ago. And inside the neck pocket was uh, somebody had used a bunch of saxophone reeds as shims.
2: Oh, man. Isn't that nice? You might get a thing of coffee out of that story.
1: Uh, so, yeah, submit a horror story. You have to do it before October 31st, 2021, okay, because that's the day we're going to record. Oh, yeah. Or the day before, maybe. So maybe, you oh. know, let's say the 30th. let Let's Heaven say knows the... we have nothing to do. Right. Let's say the deadline is October 30th because I'm going to be taking my kids trick-or-treating on the 31st. Yeah, I probably have not. Uh, And, um... Submit your horror story, include your return address, and we're going to do horror stories for the Halloween episode, either gigs or repair horror stories, like the worst botched repair you've ever seen or the worst botched repair you've had to unrepair or the guitar that you found at the thrift store that somebody butchered. It's sheer terror or something. Waves of terror. Whatever you got. The worst gig... I've got plenty of those stories. Holy crap! I've got gig stories that you just would not believe. Raise I the I've, hairs on our necks. I huh? think I've told maybe I've told some of them on the podcast before, but I'll I'll dust off some of my best gig horror stories for for
2: that's a great idea for the next episode. And then you could talk about fixing mandolins or banjos or something like that too.
1: Yeah, nothing even has to go wrong
2: for that yeah. to be a horror story. It's pretty bad. It's a Anyhow. bad day. Anyhow, that's what's going on around here. Have we abandoned the phrase "What's on your bench"? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's okay. Guitar news.
1: Well, Les Paul's in the news. How long has it been since Les Paul has been in the news? About fifty years. Well, 12-ish. Since I guess the- he. Yeah, I guess he was in the news when he died. That's what I'm saying. I didn't want to. A poor exactly guy. Articulate that he got he he died he in ninety. Well, well, yeah, he had a good life. He I love Les Paul. Oh, he's rad. He died August twelfth, two thousand nine. So, so like twelve years ago. Yeah. On my math. Yeah, I won't even do the math. <laughs> anyway, he was in the news because his first ever Gibson Les Paul model, uh, the one that the first one to be approved by uh, Les Paul himself. Recently went up for auction at Christie's in New York, and uh, it had an estimated price tag of 150000 but it exceeded that by a lot. Do you know what it sold for? I think it was like $900,000. A whopping
2: $930,000. Dang it. Yeah. I might have gone one fifty dollars on it, but not, I don't think I could do 930000 I, yeah.
1: This is from uh, guitarworld.com.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me how fully formed that idea was. It's pretty gu- that guitar yeah. And yeah,
1: there's a picture of it here.
2: Yeah, and it's it's ob- it's immediately identifiable as a Les Paul Goldtop. Top. Mm-hmm.
1: It has a it has a large pickguard. I'll put a picture of it in the show yeah. notes
2: and look at the um, pickup there. It's kind of like a Diarmund pickup with individually adjustable weird pole pieces. Yeah. See if you can early, identify that to the Yeah, the listeners. early
1: the early Gibson P ninety um uh the early the early neck pickups for these were were like that. I can't remember what they call it. It's like a staple pickup or something like that.
2: Well it didn't it wasn't these square things, but isn't that really similar to a dearmed where it's got these two little weird adjuster screws mm-hmm. and some mechanical assembly that probably seemed really necessary but is just not. Yeah
1: that raises and lowers yeah. the deal. Yeah. Yeah, gold top. It's got a goofy tremolo system mm-hmm. tailpiece thing, and it has three knobs and then a jack where the fourth knob would be, mm-hmm. alongside a second jack on the side of the guitar. Knowing Les Paul, this is probably wired. Well, one pickup to each jack. Oh, it could be <laughs> or know?
2: iterative or something. Yeah, I mean he's he was. Always tinkering. Oh yeah, he
1: was a famous tinkerer. The guy basically invented. Uh, oh. Overdubbing. Multi track -track recording. Yeah, yeah, multi track recording. Yeah. And perfected it immediately. So, Les Paul's uh, historic guitar sold for $930,000. The guitar, which was originally brought to Christie's by Les Paul's son, Gene, and his longtime collaborator. Man. Is that a euphemism?
2: Well, I don't know. His longtime
1: collaborator. Tom Doyle, who was favored by the guitar pioneer as his main performing and recording instrument around 51 and 52. For hmm. one brief shining moment. Yeah. Prior to the auction, Gene Paul described the Gold Top as the most historically significant, valuable, pivotal, and important guitar to my father.
2: He, we've never seen it before, Gene. Yeah, and he called it his crowning achievement. Well, that, interesting that I don't think anyone's seen a picture of this thing. But we've seen the log guitar, we've yeah. seen other, yeah, you know, like a, a beautiful black beauty or something like that, and so I don't know. It's called, it's... they call it Les Paul's
1: number one. They call it number one. Old number one. Yeah. It's been the subject of intense historical exploration from the guitar community.
2: But we've never seen it.
1: Uh, and uh, there's been various myths attached to the hallowed guitar saying... Paul's guitar tweaking activities never stopped. so oh, it, I bet. So it's probably not in the same condition as it was in the 50s, right? Mm-mm. He's probably tweaked on it over the years. Well, it's awesome. It has a swimming pool route section hidden by the abnormally sized pit guard. It so that's does. Yeah, so that's why that's why it has a giant, goofy pit guard, was to hide, to hide the route. So yeah. it That The big route accommodated movable pickups.
2: Oh, that probably seemed like a great idea for a second there. And a hum-canceling Q-coil. That was only used for hum-canceling. How
1: interesting. Yeah. The pickups are mounted directly into the wood, offered Doyle by way of an explanation, but Les Paul chopped out the wood to move the pickups to find out where the best positions would Mm be. Oh, okay. So he just routed it out so he could... Move yeah, the pickups around. still and. working. Good job. Wow. Les Paul's guinea pig six-string was also equipped with two output jacks. You were right. For both high and low impedance signals. It has a Kaufman Fibrola and a custom neck pickup that Gene recalls helping his father wind. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, That's
2: cool. We saw that right off, though. Nice I do feel... I
1: do feel very emotional about it, he continued, but it's time for the world to see what Les was and what was most important to him, and we're so proud to be able to present it to the world. Great. Plus, he gets
2: $900,000. Well, someone does. How cool. That's a cool guitar. That'd oh, be, I like those guitars. It'd
1: be, it'd be neat to see that in person. That but, would be cool. Uh, I,
2: I did see a picture where it had the lacquer checking, too, so I wonder if it was the exact process and paint. It was, that's a cool guitar. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I guess that's the first gold top, really. Mm-hmm. I'd guess right? so. Was that a Cadillac color? Do you know any history on that?
1: I don't know. I I don't know. I think it was Les's um, idea. I think that I think it was his idea, but I don't that's recall. Pretty awesome. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to uh, do a segment on that. Yeah. On the don't gold. Know. Right on. Hey, we have a uh, phone call to take. Let's hear it.
0: Hi Eric, this is Ben in the UK. Um, I don't know if you remember. A, a while ago, I sent in a, a voice note about my Tisco that I bought on eBay, oh. which had some issues. Um, well, I've got another problem, and the problem is I uh, keep buying old Japanese guitars on eBay. Uh-huh. I bought a K Tulip since then, which is which is pretty good. You know, it's got a couple of duff frets. I'll, I'll sort them out at some point. But my, <laughs> I then bought another matching one. For my first guitar that came up on eBay, um, I should add that none of these have cost me more than a hundred pounds. The first one well, was a hundred pounds. The second one was 62 pounds. The third one was 92 pounds. Um, and they're all amazing, except the third one has got a neck like a banana. Um, <laughs> is there any way that I can at home w- without having a neck press kind of rig something up that can try and bend the neck back kind of the way it should be? Wow. Cause at the moment it just bends in the wrong way. And I've tried the trust rod and I've tried, um, you know, kind of twisting it a bit with my hands and things, but I feel it needs some kind of intervention. Is there a way I can do it or should I take it to my friendly luthier? Who will quite rightly charge me much more to fix the neck than I paid for the guitar in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, your advice would be welcome. Thanks for keeping the show going. Uh, I really appreciate it. Right on. Take okay, care, man. Bye-bye.
1: You take care, too. That's Thank ben. you. Yeah, I love UK. it when Ben calls. <clears throat> He's got a m- real microphone over there in the UK. Yeah, he it does. Sounds sharp. Yeah, and did you hear the when he called in and shredded? No. I think I think Melissa was co-hosting that day. And, and he had a little... But he played one of these Japanese guitars, and it's.
2: I'll play it for you after we do the show. It, Let's do it. It's cool. So... Well, his stipulation is... Without a neck press, yeah,
1: yeah, this is going to be hard. What you can do is, I'm, I'm wondering if this neck is removable. Some of those aren't. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well so, boy, if it's removable, that's going to make this easier. But <clears throat> it's hard enough. But uh, this is what I would do: is I would take the guitar neck and clamp it to a table or a flat surface, right? Sturdy one, yeah. Uh, With maybe some strategically placed shims in order to force that neck into the direction you want it to go, right? And then once you've got it clamped, then try the truss rod. And that might help because oftentimes the truss rod just isn't strong enough to move the wood by itself. But if you move the wood first and then snug the truss rod up to that, sometimes that works.
2: And the truss rod's not necessarily broken. Yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, I don't okay. know. It may. It might be. Well, it's about all he can try. Anyway. So the
1: other thing you can do is, when you've got it clamped to the table, you can heat it up with an electric heating pad or put put a hot lamp over it. Um, you'd want to be careful of burning the finish with a hot light bulb but or this is what heat gun or something you 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 know uh, Evan the guy in town Ev- that uh-huh, th- yep the violin maker yeah. how he does this uh he told me years ago is is this very uh strategy of using heat lamps and uh-huh. uh uh just clamping and the and, clamping with fulcrum clamp, points yeah and, you clamp yeah. it to a table and then use he, a couple of heat lamps over it and over it a little bit maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. you can heat it up that way and clamp it to the table, but be careful, man, because uh I mean, you could start a fire, you could burn the finish, you could um damage your kitchen table <laughs> <Yeah>. You <laughs> there make could be your wife angry. for that buddy so be careful what in what you're doing there, you know, but uh it can be there there you know there are some things you could try. And there's a few of them, so give that a whirl. Thanks, Ben. Worth a shot. Good luck Y-yipper. to you, buddy. I love it. He's buying uh, Japanese guitars left and right. Yeah. He said something about pounds, though, which yeah, I, don't know, I don't know. They're lightweight.
2: Pounds. They're less than 100 pounds. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there you go. Letters.
1: We get letters.
0: We get stacks and stacks of letters.
2: Hi, Eric thanks for the podcast. you're welcome. Uh, I listen all the time when I'm in my shop working. I've been working on guitars and stringed stringed instruments for about 18 years now here in Milwaukee. Wow, I feel old saying that, but yeah anyways, I thought I'd share my experience with you about repair synchronicities. Hey this oh, is oh yeah this is maybe a little bit you know, I mentioned theme this on music-y. the last show. Oh did you?
1: It seems like things come in waves. Yeah. Like, if I get uh, one refret, I'll get three. If I get one neck reset, then they all come in at once. So I get four of them at once.
2: Yeah. Anyway, okay. Repair can, synchronicities. Repair right. synchronicities. Go ahead. Continue. This always happens to me. And when you said that you experienced this, too, it made me pretty dang happy. <laughs> it's the same deal. Ain't just neck reset week. It's Martin neck reset week. <laughs> Or Gibson neck yeah. reset week. <laughs> hey, this guy's got a bad. Or the month of fret levels. Yep. Then all of a sudden, all the telecasters need bone nuts. Yeah. A couple yeah. weeks ago, I had six, that's all caps, banjo ukuleles. Wow. In a pile, and they all needed new heads. Wow. When I work at the local shop here, Wade's, there was an hour where about five people all needed a single G string. How they all fit in one G-string, I don't know. Oh, that's his joke. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. he was having a hard time thinking this is not going to land on its feet, but he got it. How they all fit in one G-string, I don't know, but we'd also have a day where the only thing people bought were single B-strings. Yeah. I've noticed if I go on a trip, a trip like camping for a week or something, I get very few cu- customer calls, but when I get back to the shop... The floodgates open up. It's some real weird cosmic stuff, man. That's from Garrett Burton at Old Country Strings in Milwaukee. Yeah, That happens
1: to me, too. I I hear you loud and clear because that's exactly what happens to me. It's so weird how things come in waves. Yeah. I've always wondered. And, and, uh, yeah, ever since the beginning, ever since I started doing this, it's, 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 uh, yeah, it'll be... It'll be Stratocaster refret
2: week, or yeah, it's It'll very a, strange. A flurry of them. Well, they come in synchronous packets. That's pretty How cool. How bizarre! What kind of
1: the what kind of law of physics is that? Uh the
2: synchronicity. I th- um. Did Carl Jung well, talk about synchronicity? Yeah, he sure did. And there was a quantum physicist. I think his name was David Bohm that talked about. The fact that since you could have what Einstein called the spooky action at a distance, that um, you could have immediate um, interactions of particles at immense distances. And the fact that that occurs when uh, these particles have been in proximity to one another. Well, couple that with the Big Bang when they were all smaller than a condensed, smaller than a proton. Everything's been in proximity. And so everything can exhibit this action at a distance
1: so everything in the universe was con- before the big bang was condensed into the into a point smaller yeah. than a proton yeah it was like so, infinitesimal man. so all the vintage guitars that exist yeah. used to be in, yeah. in in that tiny particle all the thoughts of them yeah and me and you and boop these microphones had and
2: all right, it's too much. And that's I why Barnes are it. red. No, I can't <laughs> take it. Okay. hi, Hey, Eric. I was hoping you could share your thoughts and expertise around Bigsby's for Tele-style guitars. Oh, boy. Yes, it may not go well. New listener, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Emotionally prepare yourself. Pros, cons, and maybe the difference between the B5 and B16 models, and if you have a preference there. Thanks. Yeah, he's an eager young person trying to figure out Bigsby's for Tellys. That's great. We got no name there. Uh do you want to go first? What do you think about Bigsby's on tellies? Gosh, they look neat. They do, but I don't think anyone has ever used one successfully and happily. The B5 Bigsby is that little horseshoe unit. Uh-huh.
1: <clears throat> you know what that looks like?
2: Well, yeah, it's kind of it's
1: Telecaster it's, Bigsby-ish. Yeah, it's, it's the one that was on uh, Lennon's Rick too.
2: Oh, really? So it it's and it's top mounted. Yeah Four screws right to it It's got so a little It doesn't go out to the um, end pin It's got a little
1: tension bar to keep the strings low mm-hmm. So that's the B5 The B16 uh, It's got to be really similar The B16 is the one that has the built-in Oh, the integrated unit there The, the built-in uh, bridge Yeah the Pickup holder thing That's a handsome unit Yeah, it's a lot
2: It looks like a giant crutch Yeah it's a crazy looking thing. I don't think I've ever seen anyone actually actuate one of those, but they do look sharp. With the B sixteen, you have to use a uh, like a
1: Jazzmaster or a Jaguar bridge. Hmm. The the one, you know what I'm talking about? That where the two posts go in the guitar, and it it's a little tray with six saddles on
2: it. Oh, you, you know
1: what I'm talking about?
2: Well, vaguely, yeah.
1: They're cool looking. I'm just not big on Bigsby's, honestly. They're yeah. great on, you know... Hollow bodies? Yeah, like a Gretch or something. You know? Very yeah. cool. Um, I think that they kill the tone on on Telecasters, and I think that they're hard to keep them in tune. Mm-hmm. They are. And I think that they look goofy, like it's like drawing a mustache on the Mona Lisa, kind of, oh, to man. me.
2: Oh, man. That's just me. Look, this is just me. This is just my opinions. Yeah it is. Your mileage will <laughs> vary. Well, but that's exactly what we're looking for here. Your thoughts and expertise. Um I <laughs> I used to have uh you
1: know, I, when I worked in Seattle, <clears throat> I did uh I did quite a few uh Bigsby installations on tellies, right? Did you? And after a while, because almost invariably the guy would have it for a week and then he'd come back and he'd say, you know, I can't keep it in tune. It just doesn't sound the same yeah. way it did. It just, I'm just not super thrilled with this, you know, almost invariably, almost to a man. So I started, I, I actually wrote up a giant, um, like a Like a release form that was (laughs) half (laughs) joke and half not joke. Like, you'd have to initial all these things. Like, I understand that Bigsby's are going to introduce tuning problems in my guitar. Yeah, you need to be fully cognizant. Initial that. I understand that uh, this will change the sustain and tone of my Telecaster. Yeah. Initial that. Okay. And that way, you know what you're getting into. Because this is something that's not reversible. Mm. They do make a crazy little adapter plate called the Vibramate.
2: Oh yeah, I saw one of those.
1: Tonight. And yep, you it 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 all attaches just on the strap button, I think.
2: Yeah, so it
1: uses existing existing uh, bolt holes in the body. Yeah, so you don't have to drill five giant holes in right there in the middle of the finish of your at the face of your guitar, mm-hmm. right? Poor thing. I'm not a big fan, and I would try to talk anyone out of it, anyone who uh, asked me to do it. But if if Bixby's are your thing, and you've always had a Bixby, and you're used to them, and you love them, and you can't live without it, then slap one on your telly. Just don't do it to a valuable telly. Don't do it to a vintage telly. Mm -hmm. And don't say, I didn't warn you. It will change the tone, it will change the sustain, and you will have tuning problems. So there you go. Well, that's pretty good.
2: Hi, Eric. I have a question about the truss rod on my Martin D16. I bought this guitar new about 15 years ago. Recently, I noticed a little more relief than I like, and when I went to adjust the truss rod, it was very difficult to turn. I removed the nut and put a little petroleum jelly on it, but that didn't make any difference. I believe this was the first time I had tried to adjust it, so I think the nut should still have plenty of room to turn. I was able to turn it enough to get the adjustment done but did not feel good at all about the amount of force I had to use. Yeah, understand. Do you know what might be going on with this and how to fix it? goes on. I have second. I have a second more general question about adjusting truss rods. When tightening a truss rod, do you loosen the strings first? I usually do because it seems like a lot of force to push against, but is this truly necessary? Thanks in advance. I've listened to your podcast for a while now and I've learned an incredible amount. I really appreciate you taking the time to do it as I'm sure you have a very busy life. That's Wes in Hillsborough, North Carolina.
1: Thank you, Wes. Thanks for writing in. Um, let's see. His Martin truss rod is, is just hard to turn.
2: And he had the strong sense that this was not right. He was mm. able to turn it, but mm, this doesn't feel good. And he already put uh, some lubricant mm-hmm. on the uh, yep on the nut, and he says it didn't make any difference.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, sometimes truss rods are hard to turn. You know, uh, gosh, I don't know if that just seems weird that it, it's <laughs> that it's hard to turn without even being tight, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, hence his apprehension, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I would have to see it. I would have to see it. Yeah. I I mean, I'm curious how how many turns it took to uh to get it tightened up. Like was it loose and easy turning and then got stiffer and stiffer and stiffer oh, and he had to turn it 20
2: times? Well, I wonder if he tried, and it was already difficult, and so then he put the petroleum jelly on there and didn't make any difference. So it was difficult from the start, I think. Hmm. When I went to adjust it, yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'd have to look at it. i just have to don't, see it. I, I don't know. His second question about adjusting truss rods is... Do, do you when, loosen the strings? Do you loosen the strings first? It depends on the guitar. I I don't, on Gibson's and Martin's typically, or... It, uh fenders um gibson's fenders and martins i will on rickenbackers and on bases often huh and what's the uh, salient point there why would you do um some of those because uh w- like with with ricks their truss rods are pretty crummy they they, they kind of don't work and so what you have to do with ricks is uh Kind of like we were talking about in the first question there, you loosen the strings, you take them aside, you clamp the neck to where you want it, mm-hmm. and then tighten the truss and rod up to that. Because oftentimes, what happens on a rick is if you if you try to adjust the uh, the truss rods, the fingerboard will pop off of the neck. Oh, for crying out loud! Under the under the first few frets. It's yeah. like a Halloween podcast. Yeah, it, yeah, it forces the finger. It's all we need. It forces the fingerboard off. So if you clamp it right there, then it'll keep that glue joint together while you can while you can adjust it. Man. Right, and with bases, uh, the strings pull on those necks so hard, and the necks are so long on the Rick bases. Yeah. Uh, well, even Fender bases. Oh, okay. Any base. So, so I generally will loosen the strings, and sometimes even clamp you know, those to a, a board or a table or a workbench or a steel beam or something. And then let that, let the clamps do the work and then tighten up the truss rod nut to that. Okay,
2: yeah, good. That's interesting. I, I would have thought, well, of course you have to loosen the string. So that ended up being a good question. Yeah, I mean, like a, a Taylor
1: or a Gibson or a, you know, an easy fender headstock adjust thing that just needs a quarter turn, I'm not going to take the strings
2: off to do that. And you can deal with that tension and adjust just fine. Okay. Not a big deal. Yeah. Good.
1: Thanks, Thanks Wes. Let's take a little break. And We'll be right back with more. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription and shipping included if you're in the usa great coffee every morning just got a little bit easier that's apexcoffeeroasters.com and if you go there and use my promo code you get an additional 10% off that's pinup p-i-n-u-p that's at apexcoffeeroasters.com We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore except for my buddy Rick at PlayersGearMusic.com. You can go to PlayersGearMusic. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I, think it, I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've, I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one. From PlayersGearMusic.com They're $7.49 I know that seems like a lot It's, it's a tool, I tell you what It's going to pay for itself A hundred times over If you go to PlayersGearMusic.com Scroll down on the main page Scroll, scroll, scroll down To where it says Fan of the Fret Files Podcast You click that That adds one to your cart and it's 50 bucks off, so instead of 749, it's $6.99. $6.99, free shipping, and it's yours. A next straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one, I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. As you know from listening to the show, I repair and restore guitars. If you go over to ericdaw.com, you can see information about guitar repair and guitar restoration. You can contact me there. If you've got some guitar restoration or pickup rewinding, anything that you need done... If you want to see the custom guitars that I build, you can go over to pinupcustomguitars.com. There's a whole lot of guitars on there that have been sold, but I also post new arrivals there all the time. They go quick, so check often. The best way to get into the loop is to submit your email address on the uh, on the homepage of that website, and that'll add you to my email list, and you'll get a heads up when there's new guitars available. That's pinupcustomguitars.com and ericdaw.com.
2: Hi, FFP. Thanks for the podcast. I've never heard of the FFP abbreviation. You know, I
1: almost pronounced it FIP. The truth the truth about Vintage Amps podcast. Everybody calls it TAVA. Oh, they do. Did you know that? Well, I don't. All the hip kids on the internet. I'm out of these loops, but man. Do do we get referred to as the FFP? <laughs> I don't think so, but we do now. We do
2: now. One cool kid is is on the ball. I okay. appreciate that. He says, hi, FFP. Thanks for the podcast. I have a question about nut filing. I am changing my string gauge from nines to twelves. That's quite a jump, there, buddy. When filing the nut for the new size, do you need to start with a number ten file and work my do? Yeah, well, he his, uh, pronouns there. And work my way up to a number twelve, or just use the number twelve file. Thanks again, Joe in VA. Thanks, Joe. Virginia. Uh, no, I don't work my way up.
1: I just start with this, the size that I need. Uh, You can. You know, that's not true. Sometimes I do work my way up. When I, when I'm making a nut from scratch, I will score with an X-Acto knife where all the slots need to be. And then I'll start each slot with, I have one file that has a, uh, it's 12 on one side and 16 on the other side, I think. So it's like a double-sided file that has, you know, so you'd you'd cut a a notch for a 12-gauge string with the Mm 12-side. Well, I do all six uh, slots with that 12 just to get it started. Yeah. Because it's hard to get, it's hard to take a really fat file with a round bottom, like a yeah. A forty-six or a fifty-two, and and center it over a notch yeah. that you've cut with an X-Acto knife, not with any precision. Not is with, it? Yeah, yeah. So so I will actually I actually will sometimes work my way up, but if the slots are already there and they're close, mm-hmm. I, I think you can just jump right to the string gauge, the size file that you're going to use that you desire.
2: Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Concisely answered. I like it. Eric, thank you for keeping the podcast coming. I do what I can. Yeah. And thanks to Nat,
1: right? Come on, guys.
2: He's doing a good job. Yeah. Could be worse, people. Eric, thank you for keeping the podcast coming. Can you talk a little bit about pickup making? Ooh. We, the buying public, hear about various magnets, form var, and enamel wire, and different wire gauges, but in real terms... How do those ingredients affect the pickup's tone? Thanks, Brian. Mm. Boy, that's a big subject.
1: It is. uh, That could could be a real can of worms. Uh, I would tell you this. Um, Alnico 5 is kind of the standard uh, when we're talking about Alnico pickups. There's different grades of Alnico, but Alnico 5 is kind of the standard. And in my experience, there's a reason for that. Um, I've, I've experimented with Alnico 2 and Alnico 3 and different magnets, and they just don't sound as good to me. Huh. And people say, oh, the, the early no casters had, they were, the broadcasters had Alnico 2 or Alnico 3 yeah. or whatever. And, um, you know, there's a reason Leo switched to Alnico 5. It freaking sounds better. So, it might have been cheaper too. Well, that's another consideration yeah. that was always on Leo's mind mm-hmm. was price, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Alnico five is it holds a stronger uh, a magnetic field. Yeah, it it's it will have a stronger Gauss reading.
2: Yeah, right. Gosh, and, what do you call that? That's funny. Yeah, what do you call that? <clears throat> it's the, the and the symbol is a B. Magnetic yeah. Field. It's like magnetic charge is what yeah. we're looking for.
1: Um but Alnico five holds its charge better and it has a stronger field, and so you end up with a stronger signal and a more direct, piercing, good, you know, strong tone. So mm-hmm. Alnico five is what I would suggest. Uh the different kinds of wire, there's form var, there's enamel wire, there's polysol, which is a modern thing. Is that Uh, the one that dissolves when you you solder it? You can solder, yes. Polysol means it's, poly means it's, uh, you know, some kind of polyurethane coating. And sol is short for solderable. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So polysol. So it's solderable poly coating. So you don't have to strip the coating off. On this hair thin thing that's nearly impossible. So when you use formfar or enamel, you have to take, the part of the wire that you're gonna solder, you know, the beginning or the end of the coil, you have to you have to take some sandpaper and remove that coating. Well, that's really hard to do. Imagine taking sandpaper and holding a piece of human hair yeah. and just sanding just the outside just the, of that hair, just the outer
2: layer of hair just off, just the insulative layer of that to get to the conductive without, layer without
1: breaking it. Yeah, it's challenging. You'd so you break them. So polysol a lot of guys use that because it's so much easier and it's also very cheap so a lot of guys use that I do not the reason I don't is because that's not what they used back in the day and I'm just superstitious like that so I use enamel in my Telecaster style pickups because that's what the old Mm -hmm. guitars have and I use um, form var on strat pickups and they do sound slightly different. Now, the reason they sound slightly different is not because of the material makeup of the coating, mm-hmm. but the reason they sound different is that they're different thicknesses. So you get different amounts of crosstalk in between each layer of, uh, yeah, e- each wrap yeah, right around the coil. And the coil would have different because inductance. there's yeah, there's these currents and eddies that are going on in in between. The wires because electrons dance around in yeah. there and so the thickness of that coating actually will affect the way the pickup sounds yeah
2: and it, it may have a different different dialectic dielectric constant so mm. how resistant it is just like a capacitor you know or air so f- just to make it
1: weirder so form var tends to sound brighter oh man we like that don't we uh, to to my ears, and that's
2: why strats have that sound stratty. They have that clear, yeah, that you know, that bell-like chiming tone.
1: Not that tellies don't, but right? They, but, <laughs> but to me,
2: they sound a little more
1: brassy. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, there is a slight difference there. So formvar and enamel, I use both of those. They're both great. I use enamel for uh a lot of things like. You know, if, like, if I'm rewinding a pickup, I'll try to use what was on there. So if I can see that it's enamel 42 gauge AWG, you know, wire. AWG is American wire gauge. Oh yeah. If I see that it's 42 AWG enamel, that's what I'll use, right? So I try to use the same thing. There's a lot of pickup winders that will just use polysol on everything because that's what they keep in stock, and they figure "Ah, that doesn't make any difference. And it works
2: for them. Yeah, and it
1: probably sounds fine, but I'm just a stickler for how it should be, and so I use the real stuff. Enamel and FormVar is a lot more expensive, but my gosh, it's not... When you think about how much I how much you charge for a pickup rewind or how much you charge for a pickup. It's not that expensive. It's not that big of a
2: deal. And it's the labor and the attention to detail that's really the the expensive part in a way. Yeah.
1: So all the different ingredients really do affect the pickup's tone. Uh, It's like Skip says on Truth About Vintage Amps. Little Skip. Uh,
2: You know, make me some bread. Is that what he says? The, yeah, and, th- the, and th- that's a reference to do that first, make this simple thing first. Yeah, and, and an outsider the, on the quality of the ingredients oh, right, okay.
1: makes a difference too. So, you know, if if you're going to make some bread, you want to use good flour and you want to use fresh milk and you want to use, right, you don't want to use eggs that have gone bad. Yep. I don't know, maybe I got the reference wrong, but that's what I'm saying. I think that, you're right the quality of the the ingredients really does make a difference in the end
2: product. Yeah. And there, I think there's some reference also there to make me a really good, simple product. Yeah. Simply. There you uh, go. And you use original style wire gauges, right? I do. Yeah. I do. Yep. And then, um, you know, they tend to be 42 and 43 AWG.
1: 42, 43, 44 shows up sometimes on uh dang, on and and Tysco pickups and I think Rick uses a real thin wire like well, that. Well, you just have to hold your breath the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's why wi- winding a pickup with 44 gauge is tricky cuz that is super thin wire, man. Got to learn to
2: let go on that one. That is super thin. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Okay, now here's one that's uh, going to prove that these are totally unrehearsed. See, there's a lot of black space in here, and let's—I'm just going to dive it's right huge. in. It's huge. Yeah. It's
1: huge, and I haven't read it. I it's don't know. It's substantial. I don't and, know what's going on in this question, uh, but it's—it's it's
2: an almost an entire page. I think it's worth diving in and not—not not pre-screening. Eric. Yep. I have been listening to your show since you started. Been quite a while since I contributed, however, and I've been meaning to. Life, you know. Man, this is going to be great. It keeps us busy. I have a few projects to ask about, ask questions about. Firstly, a while back, there was a fellow that had just bought a Tysco guitar and sent in a clip of him. His name's Ben from the UK. Yeah, we were just talking about yeah, that. Just tearing it up on that. Shortly after that, my good friend Devin Champlin up in Bellingham moved his guitar shop to a new location and was posting pictures of the progress getting the shop set up. I saw in one of the picks a really cool red four-pickup Tysco, and on opening day of the new shop, I fell in love and bought it. Four single-coil square-pole pickups. Cool. Yeah, each with its own on-off switch. Oh, yeah, you got to have 75 switches on those Hound Dog Taylor deals. I can't make sense of the different pickup combinations. Could it be that some are out of phase with each other or that some of the pickups have a lower output than others? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Can I just hook my meter to the input jack to test each pickup, or would I get more accurate readings by opening the guitar up and going straight to each pickup?
1: It depends on how it's wired. Some of those guitars, they'll hardwire a resistor in there oh. to quiet one pickup or another. So if you if you really want to get a true reading, it it might be a good idea to get in
2: there and actually take the reading right off the pickups maybe at least see what's going on in there too okay the tremolo bridge was missing the whammy bar it always is buddy so i bought one aftermarket i can't figure out how it stays in the hole in the bridge i'm sending pics too by the way oh i better find those yeah let me get to my email while you read this yeah i got you're gonna have a little time okay can you recommend the best way to do that this guitar is so fun Thanks to you and your listeners for bringing my awareness to it. Hey, that's a good (laughs) communal moment. How about it? Yeah, it's great. I don't think I would have thought to play it if not for the community you've built with Mm. the Fret Files podcast. How about that? By the way, I'm a huge Art Bell fan and X-Files and Twin Peaks and all that stuff, and I think (laughs) I'm about (laughs) the same age as you, Eric, so there you have it. Uh Anyway, this is getting good. Also, I built a telekit from Stumac a couple years ago. I think the last thing I wrote you about was for help in getting this thing set up right. I was really puzzled for a while trying to get the, f- the fret buzz out of a few spots. But I stayed with it, knowing that if I couldn't get this thing playing right, I probably had no right working on any guitar. Ah, that's a little harsh. I kept patience and kept at it. I probably leveled the whole fretboard a couple of times, messed with the truss rod. Eventually, I started to see my precision wasn't quite precise enough. But with all this practice, I started to see things better. My precision got better. My methods got better. Nice. So I just wanted to say that on your show, I just wanted to say that on your show, so that everyone else on here, new to repair, might get some encouragement from it. Stay with it. You'll get better. And a tool recommendation for the the fret kisser from Stumac. Mm. We heard of that? Yeah. Turned out to be the ticket with my telly. There were just a couple of high spots on the frets, just ever so slightly high, and that tool did an awesome job taking them down just right. Thanks for the show, Eric. Keep it going. I'll keep asking questions. Picks to follow. Dean from Bow, Washington. Oh, What's that? Dean from Bow. Oh, that's the name of the place? Bo Washington. Gosh, I thought that was some kind of a, a nickname that I'm unfamiliar with for some mm, hidden nope. part of the town. Yeah, Dean from Bo. Bo he's, Washington.
1: He's been writing in for years. Where's Bo? I don't know. I honestly don't know. That's where Dean lives. <laughs> Somewhere in the
2: <laughs> neighborhood of Bellingham, maybe.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dean. Gosh. That's great. I I remember that kit guitar and I'm glad that you uh, got it dialed in there. Yeah, man. And he stayed with it. Persistence. There's something to be said for it. Well, and every
2: time he learned something.
1: I'm looking and at the fret kisser and I don't know what do we got there. That's not I I probably wouldn't buy it, but Dean Dean highly recommends Does it. Does
2: it put the right shape on the fret tops? Is that? Well, what, it's some kind
1: that? of trapezoidal doohickey with uh some Synchronicity, I guess. With, with some. It's
2: got, oh, it's rough got rough sanding edges
1: yeah. on the sides here, but I have files for this. So I don't need their one hundred and thirty dollar
2: fret kisser. Oh snap! Yeah, I'd get the Harbor Freight one maybe. But yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, the Harbor Freight fret kisser. <laughs> yeah. go in there and ask for one. Yeah,
1: ask for it by name. Good luck.
2: Yeah, that that is a great story. Saying uh, where he talks about. He thanks the listeners, you know, thanks the community, and then encourages them to just take it step by step, and you get a little bit better all the time. There you go. That's a great one. And he wants to know how this tremolo
1: arm fits in his... (laughs) 4 pickup hound dog motion. In his Tysko. Man, I don't know, because your grainy picture's here. I can't really see what's going on. Um. Oh, they're rather stylized, aren't they? It's really cool. It's got that. It's the it's solar like two-tone aluminum. It? Oh yeah, pickguard. Yep, yeah, the, with the with the stripes. Stripes. Yeah. Four, four pickups. Oh man, looks like kind of a cool bridge. Master volume, master tone. Uh, I don't know how that arm is stays in there because I just can't tell from these pictures.
2: Oh is it, is it right in the center of that address? yeah there's oh, there's a hole
1: yeah. in the center it's that not looks off to the like, side that looks like it's got a nut on it or something, but there's a hole through it, and then the, securing the, the' bar slips through there. You probably just have the wrong bar, yeah, he says he ordered a bar, but it was aftermarket. you know the bar that is going to fit on there is going to have some kind of a way to tighten it up and there yeah, and there could be several are nice theres go are there threads? bars? Are there threads inside this hole? Is it friction fit? Because I can't fit? tell from your picture. Yeah, it could be friction fit. It could be threaded. It could be... It could have some kind of a nut and a washer on it. Yeah. Some kind of a detent. I don't know, man. But it sounds to me like you've got the wrong part, if you ask me. That's that's what it sounds like what's going on. Because if it doesn't fit... You must quit. Yeah, right. So, if it don't... Keep
2: scouring right, the right, internet. Yeah, there you go. I don't...
1: Thanks Dean and Appreciate thanks to it.
2: Ben for having people buy Tysco guitars around oh, the world. Yeah, we're
1: we're single-handedly driving up the price it, of uh, Japanese guitars which is affecting boy. the entire world's economy. So you can blame us. Boy, we've closed quite a few open loops on this here podcast. Beautiful. That's great. That's another one uh in the books here. Thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for participating. I thought I just about killed this podcast a couple of weeks ago when I came on here uh, crying about my personal life, maybe and, on purpose I, a little bit. And I almost deleted that episode, oh yeah, about three different times, because <laughs> I don't want it out there. I'm not the. I don't. I don't want the attention. I don't want. I don't want it. I don't no, want just, any part of. You know, it's, it's just terribly crazy. hard, man. It's as hard but as it gets. What happened is nobody sent in any tech questions for about a month. Hmm. But I did get a whole lot of... uh, A lot of personal interest, huh? A lot of well-wishers, which is great, and I appreciate all the support, guys. It's nice. I do appreciate it. Anyway, thanks for listening, and thanks for participating. Write in those questions, and send in your horror stories. Yeah, it's coming up. If you submit a horror story, include your address, because I will send you something, okay? So that's the next episode, Horror Stories. To submit a question or a horror story, you can go to my website. That's eric.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com, and click the contact link and send it in there. The other way to do it is you can call or text 757-774-8482 and leave a message or text. If you're going to leave me a message, uh, but don't include your address on there because I don't want to play your address on the show send me a separate send me a separate email with your address I guess or something or maybe I don't know yeah that's what we'll have to do I will think Yeah, something. don't tell me your address on your on your voicemail yeah. anyhow do that and uh, we'll talk to you next time thanks